Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the time that we have to consider important things about our lives in this world and how to bring you glory. We thank you, Father, for calling us into your eternal kingdom. And help us, Lord, to have wisdom in the culture and in this world in which we live. As we think about vocation today and the callings that you have given us, give us wisdom, Lord, so that we would be productive with all the things you have entrusted to us, and may you be glorified in our lives. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we've been talking about, uh, we've been talking about, voca- or talking about Christianity and culture, and uh, so I'm not going to do all the review of uh, cultural mandate and uh, common grace and Noahic covenant and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to assume that we, we've got all that down. Um, if you weren't here for all the classes, I think uh, Barbara's put them on the website so you can go back and listen to some. But it's really important that we have that foundation from Scripture that helps us understand that there is an eternal kingdom to which we belong, which is called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And then we live in this temporal world uh, filled with common kingdoms that uh, the believer and the unbeliever are part of together. And so where Christianity intersects with the culture uh, is an important thing for us to think about. It's, it's, a, it's something that we experience every single day because, uh, you know, the world and life is uh, the culture in which we live. And how do we as Christians, as citizens of the kingdom of God, um, glorify God in the culture? And where does Christianity intersect with the culture? Well, one of the greatest ways in which this is lived out is in the area of vocation, not vacation. We all know what vacation is, different vowel, vocation. Vocation means calling. Uh, It actually comes from the Latin voco, which means I call. And so when we think of a vocation, we think of our calling in life. And we all have callings. Um, your job is not just a job. Uh, we have to look at our employment as a calling from the Lord. That's how the Bible looks at it. Uh, you know, in America, we tend to think of uh, employment as a necessary evil in order to earn money. That's not how the Bible calls us to look at work. Remember, when God made Adam, what did he do? He put Adam in the garden to Genesis 2.15, work the garden and guard the garden. Work is part of being human. You know, the idea that I'm just working for the weekend to get off is not a Christian concept. Or even just, well, I'm just going to work long enough so I earn enough money and then I'm retired and I stop working. We have to think in terms of, this is part of being human. It's not, it's not a result of the fall. The fall is what frustrated work. The fall is why you always dream about getting a better job and why your next job will have problems too. It's fr- it's the fall has frustrated the earth. Remember what happened in the fall? Uh, God said, you're still going to work, Adam, outside the garden, but now thorns are going to come in the, the field and you're going to labor. It's going to be in the sweat of your brow that you're going to labor. But it's very important for us to understand first and foremost that work, and when I talk about work, I, I also, that we also have to include um, 
you know, the, the uh, so-called stay-at-home mom. I mean, she has one of the toughest jobs in society, right? I mean, a, a very, very a rigorous calling and an important calling. Um, we all have callings. You guys have callings. You have callings right now. It's not just, what has God called me to do? Well, you can have those thoughts, and we'll talk about that, but right now you have a calling. Your calling is student. And so we need to glorify God in our callings. And you say, yeah, but I want to do something more. That's fine, but right now, that is your calling. Even if you're working a, 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 a job that you don't like very much, uh, that's your calling, as we're going to talk about, uh, because we, provided it's, it's a legitimate job, uh, we, need, we need to see that it's part of God's providential care for the earth. So work is part of the way that we uh, intersect Christianity and culture because we're in the world uh, doing these, these callings. Again, work is frustrated by the fall, uh, but our work is part of the way that God providentially cares for the whole world. With the exception of the ministry of the word, our vocations belong to the common kingdom. So remember, there's kingdom of God and kingdom of the common kingdom, we can call it. You know, sometimes it's called the kingdom of man, but there's negative connotations that come with that, so let's just call it the common kingdom. Um, in the kingdom of God, as we've seen, the keys of that kingdom have been given to the church, the preaching of the gospel, exercise of church discipline. The state does not have that authority or responsibility. The state has the sword. The church does not have the responsibility or the authority to bear the sword in this age. Uh, it is a kingdom of peace and mercy. And uh, even church discipline, as we saw, is with the goal of restoration. But as, uh, as in terms of callings, our callings are part of the common kingdom, whether that is a painter or a lawyer or uh, a teacher, a plumber, whatever. The only calling that is part of the kingdom of God is the ministry of the word. Uh, and that's, that's why that... that that title reverend comes before the ordained minister's name is because he's been set apart for this particular task. That doesn't make that, uh, that calling uh, better than the other callings uh, or somehow demean the callings in this world, whatever they are. Uh, they're all important. And we don't, if you want to serve the Lord, you don't have to become a pastor. You can serve the Lord as a doctor. Uh, you can serve the Lord flipping burgers at in and out you can serve the Lord. You might want to aim a little higher eventually, but it's okay. Uh, but we need people to do that too, right? You need people to do that. You need, we need people to change bedpans. We need people to collect our trash. And we should never look down on one vocation. Imagine if there were no trash collectors in the world. What a rotten place that would be. Imagine if there were no plumbers in the world. Uh, you know, nobody to clean the sewers. And so they are all legitimate callings that God uses as part of his means to preserve and oversee this world, this good earth that he has made. And this is very important for, for us to understand, uh, because by fulfilling those callings, we're bringing glory to the Lord, even though we labor alongside unbelievers. And, and God talks about this, how these, these vocations like farming, making music, and metallurgy, that was Jabal, Jubal, and Tubal-Cain in Genesis 4. They went out and did these things. 
And God saw that as good. Yes, even music, the arts, has a legitimate place. Imagine if there was no art in the world. Imagine that. I saw, I saw, I saw some graffiti. It went like this. All artists will appreciate this. The earth without art, A-R-T, is just, eh. <laughs> and it's true. Um, now, of course, that doesn't mean that all art is uh, good. There can be some art that isn't good, but nevertheless, it's necessary. It's a necessary part of this world that brings joy to the human heart and often expresses uh, some of our deepest emotions. I mean, the Psalms, even though they are holy scripture and prophecies, are also art because they're poems and songs. And so music and painting and film and plays, these are all a necessary, necessary part of this world, uh, just as we see from Genesis 4. Same with farming, same with making items from metal. And God uses all of these different callings in the world to oversee everything. So when we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, how do we get our bread? We don't walk outside and wait for manna to fall from heaven. Okay, God did that once. That's called a miracle, and miracles are recorded in Scripture for us so that we believe God's Word. Uh, they're not things that we wait for to happen in this life. They've been recorded. Um, but when it comes to receiving the bread that we need, the Lord uses a whole system, a whole food chain of different callings. He uses the farmer to grow the crops. He uses the truck driver to bring the vegetables from the farm to the grocery store. He uses the grocers to distribute. He uses the guy who's bagging your, your groceries at Albertsons. Or they're no longer Albertsons. They were, what are they now? Okay, whatever. That, uh, they were the other one. I don't like it. Okay. But it's still legitimate. Co- Hagen's. Thank you. Yeah, we called it Pagan's. We didn't like it. Uh, <laughs> The, anyway, they're all, they're all legitimate callings because uh, we need these things in order to live in this world. Same thing when you pray for the Lord to protect your family. He uses the callings of the fire department and the police department and the prosecution, the DA and, and the judges. And that's why we pray for wisdom to be given to these people. We pray for healing. How does he typically heal? He, he, he answers our prayers, and he uses the pharmacist and the doctor and the nurse and specialists and all that stuff. And so these are legitimate callings. And so when we think about our calling, and you young people, and you think about what you want to do in life, you need to think not merely about what will make me a bunch of money, but how is it a blessing to society? How does this benefit society? How is this a blessing to my neighbor? How is it that what I am doing doing good for others, because that's how God is glorified. God is glorified by us being faithful with what we have been given to do. The question is, what has he given us to do? What has he given us to do? He's given us children, maybe. He's given us a job. He's given us uh, schooling to prepare later for a job. That's what he's given you. Your vocation is where you are right now. And, And there are different callings. Personal callings and 
family callings. I'm a father and a husband. I'm called to do those things. And the Lord is glorified by me being faithful in those callings by blessing those uh, to whom he has entrusted me. Uh, I have a calling in the public square or in, also in the church. Again, as a minister, it's one of the same uh, because I'm a minister. And so I need to be faithful, how? By doing good for others, uh, bringing the best sermons that I possibly can, and uh, doing teaching that is good and putting time and labor. The question is, what has God given us to do and are, how are we? Be, everything we do in life should be to the glory of God. The time He's given us, the energy He's given us, the talents He's given us—all those things we should be using in our callings, okay, for His glory. Even if you're stuck in a dead-end job right now, uh, it's it's necessary. You are still loving neighbor through selfless service in which God is masked. And yet we, oh yeah, we often, we often put the burger flippers at the bottom of, they're, they're sort of like our shepherds, you know, from the first century, right? The, the bottom rung. Well, I don't want to be flipping burgers. But don't you like it when you go to In-N-Out and you have a nice person who helps you? Okay, but don't you like that? Don't you like it when you have somebody who is, uh, who is sweet to you and gets the order right? Well, I do. The rest of you are just staring at me. Like, I don't, I don't go to that place. You're confessing something that I don't do. Okay, well, I think you do. I don't think you like it. I'm going to be so bold to think, because you're too shy to nod your head, that it, you don't like it when someone's a jerk to you in the drive-thru or gets your order wrong. And so aren't they being a blessing to you in that calling? And you ate something, and God answered your prayer, that you pray, that I hear you pray every Sunday. Give us this day our daily bread. And he answered your prayer as you sunk your teeth into that double-double. <laughs> Callings, they're legitimate. You have calling. And you, and you live out that calling for the glory of God in the world. Now, it's important for us to understand, again, with the exception of the ministry of the word, that our callings, they belong to the common kingdom. This is where sometimes Christians get a little tripped up. They don't belong to the kingdom of God per se. Now, God is ruler and king over all, as we heard in the sermon. Jesus owns it all. But the kingdom of God is a specific name for his church. The way into the kingdom of God is through baptism, right? The way out is through excommunication. In the kingdom of God, uh, the keys have been given to the church, not any state. In the world, however, where we labor, uh, we labor alongside people who are unbelievers, and some of whom do a very good job at their callings. Um, you know, again, you don't necessarily need it. When I, I had a uh, root canal done recently, and um, the, the guy did a great job, I didn't say, now hold on a second, can you, can you confess the faith with me? You know, do you confess the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed and the three forms of unity? Because, you know, I can't have a non-Christian working on my tooth. I don't care about that. What I care about is, what are your credentials? What are your credentials? Is Stanford dentistry on your wall? Or is, I went through the internet on your wall? Huh? 
You ought to think about that too. Also, when you're choosing a church and a pastor, same thing. Why would we entrust our bodies to some crackpot who trained himself uh, for the, the dentistry or for, uh, uh, to be a medical doctor, but we would entrust our souls to, you know, Pastor Joe, who just has a lot of books and he read all on his own. If anything, we should want our pastor to be even more educated and trained. So it has to fit the calling. But getting back to the point, the, the, uh, the doctor or the dentist, it, it, he, he could be a non-Christian and be a really good dentist or doctor because it's part of common grace. It's part of that common kingdom that we live in alongside the unbeliever. Nevertheless, as Christians, as Christians, we need to do certain things to glorify God in our callings. First of all, being faithful with what he's given us to do. Again, ask yourself, what has God entrusted to me? Ask yourself that. Your vocation is those things that he has entrusted to you, including job, uh, or school if you're a student, and your family relations. And then doing that for the good of others. Okay, and so this is what Scripture says, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28 Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. We like that. We get that. But then the verse goes on. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We bless others through our work. Ask yourself, how is my calling a benefit to society? How does it benefit society? And I was, as I was preparing for this uh, the other night, I was asking, my, I always ask my wife questions, you know, to, to like a sounding board. I said, so uh, what about this? I'm trying to think of a calling that doesn't benefit society. Because pretty much everything does. And I thought I came up with one. Day trader. What about a day trader? His only purpose in life is to get rich. And he doesn't do anything. He just, you know, sits at home maybe, even in his underwear, and makes money. And that's it. My wife, being the sharp woman she is, said he's creating wealth, and he hires gardeners, and he hires uh, babysitters, and he hires... Uh, that was good. That's true. And so uh, every calling, just about, is a benefit. Now, we can probably think of some calling. Somebody always comes up to me and says, well, what about like, the, the pornographic actor. Well, right, because that whole, the whole purpose of that calling is not to be a benefit to others, but to uh, uh, entertain others in a sinful manner. And so we, there are some callings in, that are in the world that we can't call legitimate callings. They're illegitimate, even if somebody's getting paid, even a lot of money for them. But the majority of things in this life are, uh, are legitimate callings. And so yeah, Luther would say that. He said that, uh, he said, all callings are legitimate with the possible exception of thievery and prostitution. And, uh, you know, he was always overstating the case. Because the reason he says that is Rome for so long looked at callings and said, well, if you're a shoemaker or a, a, a baker, uh, that's a lesser calling. If you really want to be sold out for the Lord, you need to join a monastery. And so Luther said people would drool at the monks because, oh, they are the holy ones. 
And the Reformation uh, corrected that thinking. On the opposite end, you had the Anabaptists who said, no, 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 we don't want to be in the culture. We need to flee the culture. We need to Christianize everything. We need to have, you know, Christian plumbing and Christian mathematics and Christian uh, baseball players and Christian this and that and the other, a lot like modern evangelicalism. The Reformation avoided both of those bad extremes. It it cuts right down the middle, and it says, no, we are culture-affirming, world-affirming. God has made this earth good, and uh, you don't need to be a monk in order to be sold out for the Lord, and you don't need to run off and join some sort of strange cult and make a compound like the Anabaptists were doing. Uh, we We are instead in the world as citizens of God's kingdom, laboring in the common kingdom for God's glory and the benefit of our neighbor. And some said, well, what do we do if we're not supposed to go to the monastery? He said, make a shoe and sell it at a fair price. Make a good shoe. Make a good shoe and sell it at a fair price. And when you do that, Christian, Monday through Friday, that is your spiritual duty. You are living out the Christian life by doing a good job. And I hope that, you know, those in my charge, members of Christ URC, are always to work on time, are known for being trustworthy, are are thought of by their employers as, man, I do not want to lose this person. They're the best. Are not known for gossiping, in the break room, and wouldn't be embarrassed if I or the elders showed up and shadowed you at work for a day. Not that I want to do that. I've got better things to do. Because you're doing it before the Lord. You're doing it before the Lord. Everything we do is as unto the Lord. And so Paul goes on in Ephesians and says this, Servants, obey your earthly masters, you're talking about employers, with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ, not by way of eye service. You know, it's easy to, well, I, I got to let the boss see this. He's got to see, so I get the gold star. Not by way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. You guys get this? The world wants to be just a people pleaser. The world, and you guys are going to work amongst people like this. You're just starting out, right? And all of us cynical, jaded people out here who've lived in, been in the workplace, we look at you and you're just so precious and you're so innocent. You're, oh, you're about to go into the world and just be abused by mean and nasty people and ripped off here and there. And, uh, and guess what? It's always been that way. It's not the liberals' fault. It's, not the, it's, it's sin. It's just we live in a sinful, jacked-up world. And when you go to work... You're, going, you're not to work just as a people pleaser, just do, as, your, as your coworkers are going to do. Just trying to get the promotion. Sure, you want to, if the Lord gives you a promotion, that's wonderful. And aim for excellence in everything you do, but you do it as unto the Lord. You do your callings. That's the same for the stay-at-home mom. That's the, sta- that's the same for the doctor, for the professor, for anybody. We do it as unto the Lord. That's what he says here. Do it from the heart rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, 
whether he is a bondservant or is free. So if you're a mother and you simply are comforting your crying child, you're doing a good work that glorifies God because you did it for the benefit of your child. If you're a student and you apply yourself in your studies, you're doing a good work that brings glory to God because what you learn can and will someday be used for the benefit of other people. If you work in an office and uh, you do your job with consideration and kindness uh, toward your clients and your coworkers, you're doing a good work that brings God glory because you're living outside of yourself, doing what benefits the people in your life. You're living the Christian life out as you're in the common kingdom. Your, your job is not a, a kingdom of God job. It's a common kingdom job, but you're a citizen of God's kingdom. And you bring God glory by doing it well. By doing it well. Not wasting time debating theology around the water cooler. If you want to talk theology with somebody, you want to share the gospel with somebody, you say, let's go on our break. And if your boss fires you because you're wasting time, guess what? That's not persecution. If your boss fires you because you're wasting time telling him about the gospel or Luther while, you were supposed to, while he was paying you to work, that's not called persecution. That's called your stupidity is what that is. <laughs> and a bad witness. No, the, the mature Christian says, let's go to lunch when I'm not being paid. Here's my email. Come to church with me. And let's talk about these things. Let's meet. But see, sometimes we don't want to do that because i got to cut into my time. It's easier to just do it at work because work is boring. The same goes from social media. If you're on social media during the day uh, and, and you, you can do that kind of thing, your employer's fine with it, great. But we have to ask ourselves, are we squandering our time? Pastors can sometimes be the worst at this because we get writer's block constantly. And the internet is, there were only, I need computers sometimes that are not connected to the internet. Because it's too easy, mentally, you train your mind to do all kinds of bad habits, and one is wasting time on social media. Now, of course, social media is so big today that we have, a lot of businesses have to use it, and churches use it, and it can be a ministry tool even for pastors, but we too, I, pastor, I have to be careful the way I don't end up wasting time looking at just stuff that's not doing good for anybody. It's just a, a, a mind-numbing self-medication. And uh, stay-at-home moms got to be careful of that, too. You have a calling, a legitimate calling. And so we have to be productive in that way, benefiting other people. Being productive is something that God calls us to do. Uh, so 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now we command you, brothers, verse 6, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was, not, uh, it was not because we do not have that right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For 
Even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. That's Christianity. That's one of the reasons, too, why we have an internship. Well, we, we may take a long time before we lay hands on a minister. We look for a lot of things. Not everybody who goes to seminary is called. The seminary is hard in itself. We want to see, can he complete it? Can he, can he complete uh, this three, four-year boot camp that is a rigorous education? And how does he comport himself? Uh, pastor, I was just talking to a pastor this last week. He's got an intern. gets up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. A very gifted guy. He doesn't change. He will not be called into the ministry. Because pastors need to be hard workers. They, you need to, a good pastor, you need to stop him from working too much. He's not lazy. And it's the same with any, any other vocation. Paul calling us here not to be idle, but to be working, to be productive for good. That's how you glorify the Lord. We all want to glorify the Lord, right? We have a tangible way each week. We also need to respect authority structures in the workplace. Yeah, you might have a, a cranky boss. Remember, that's part of the fall. So Colossians chapter 3 Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, sounds like Ephesians, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. And so in many ways, work is a blessing, you see. It becomes its own reward. And, and we know that. Even though there are frustrations with our jobs and frustrations that we experience in our callings, uh, it, it nevertheless, in many ways, is its own reward. Because it's, and it goes back to being part of bearing God's image. God worked in the beginning, made the heavens and the earth, made them good. And then we are to reflect that. He put man in the garden to work. And so we're to do our work for his glory. We're to do it to benefit others. Let me pause there and, uh, uh, for any questions. Before we go on. Yes, Bob. What's that? Be a, to be an outstanding husband to Gloria. Right, Gloria? Now, that's a legitimate question. And, uh, you know, there, retirement can be legitimate. I mean, especially, you know, if the body or the mind can no longer do what it once did in younger years. And I know you put in your time all those years of painting. We don't want you sniffing all those fumes forever. And, uh, you know, for myself, I don't look at it like, oh, 65, I'm done. Um, for me, I know as a minister, I will go when the mind can no longer be a benefit to other people. When that, when that day comes, then I should retire. Now, what do I do in retirement? Well, I do good... Uh, as I can. Uh, for myself, you know, and I know a lot of ministers, you know, I think of retirement as, okay, then I'll use my gifts and abilities in a way suitable for what's left of the mind. Maybe a little writing, maybe a little preaching or teaching, itinerant here or there, 
But, you know, the rigors of pastoring a church and cranking out two sermons each week, there'll come a point where I just won't be able to do that anymore. And I think we all ought to look at our, our vocations in some fashion, you know, or, okay, once I get to a point where I can no longer be a benefit to other people in this way. See, retirement just isn't about make my money, oh, pff, then I'm off to the Bahamas. You have to ask yourself, how are you glorifying the Lord through what you're doing? But maybe once I get to that point, what can I do in my retirement, especially if I have saved wisely and I can live off of that now, uh, in a way that will be a blessing to other people? And you are a huge blessing to us in the church, Mr. Hannibal. You are. And we are grateful for your calling here. <laughs> now we just embarrassed him. So. Yeah, Charlie. And, and not only that, Charlie, but you are also being a blessing. Or a couple of points, as I think of you in your life, you know, as a law enforcement officer, that's another, a, a perfect example. There gets a point where you can no longer be a benefit to other people uh, in the way that you were in younger years. So now you are being a blessing through your volunteer. By being a volunteer at the camp, and particularly with the experiences, that, you, that is your calling. That is your vocation. And, and, and we, we recognize this, don't we? I mean, listen to, as Bob and Charlie, retired men, there is this natural need that we feel as human beings to work, to be active, to do something. You can't just sit on a couch and play Xbox and eat potato chips forever. There is a respite. Yeah, the boys are like, well, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, don't tempt me. Uh, there is a, uh, there's a Sabbath. We all need a Sabbath. We, Sabbath means pause. We need to push the pause button from when we're steamrolling Monday through Saturday. And again, this is, again, this is the reason why I don't like that term weekend, a modern term. And I'm not going to get all legalistic about it. And you know, don't, if, I, if you say, well, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I said it in front of Pastor Brown. Uh, but it's a modern term, it's, and in the Christian's mind, we ought not organize our week like that. We ought to organize our week around the Sabbath. The Sabbath comes first. We're entering in to a foretaste of God's eternal rest. And it's a blessing. It's a day unlike any. It's a day where we withdraw from the common kingdom as much as possible. And we, and we gather as the kingdom of God, as we're doing. And, but, but then in the week, we go full speed. And if we've, we've retired, then we ask ourselves, okay, now what can I do? What can I do to be a benefit and a blessing to others? But not only in the church, also in, in society. We also have callings in, in the church, too, uh, to one another, brothers and sisters. And then we have men who are called into uh, the office of elder or deacon. They have a very serious calling. But even they have, they have a dual calling, and they, they have ordinary callings in the common world, unlike a minister. And so, very important things for us to think about. Any other questions? So, we have to think also about uh, how we choose a calling. And since we have the young people here, and this is their catechism class for the day, um, just very briefly, how, how do you know what God has called you to do?
Because that's something that young people stress over, right? No, Justin's like, no, I know. You mentioned it earlier, the Xbox potato chip thing. That's, no, but how do we know what, what God has called us to do? And this can be something that, you know, we, uh, we, we can, can cause us some anxiety. How do I know God's will for my life? Uh, well, we have to, the, one of the best ways to think about this is once we understand what a vocation is, it's how we glorify God by being a benefit to others. It's part of God's uh, overseeing providential rule and care for the earth. Okay, now which one is for me? Uh, ministry, you know, when I say the ministry, it's being a pastor or teacher or, uh, you know, doctor, woodworker. Um, journalist, whatever. All these different things. And uh, now, in America, in our, in our, or at least in our modern world, we have this notion that, well, you've got to find fulfillment, self-fulfillment. And once you stop having that self-fulfillment, then you jump to the next thing. And the problem is you'll never ultimately have self-fulfillment in, in any of them. You know, it's, that's not the point. The point is, how can I glorify God by being a benefit to other people with the talents and the gifts that he has given me? The talents and the gifts he has given me. So there's really, there's, there's two big questions you want to ask. What am I good at? And in our narcissistic society, we got to be real honest. This is one of the reasons I like that show, uh, American Idol. I don't watch it that much. But I like it when people get on there and they're like, uh-uh, no, go back to what you were doing. Uh, because, you know, just because you like something doesn't mean you're good at it. It doesn't mean you're good at it. I kind of like golfing once in a while. Mark Vanderpoel and uh, T, they'll tell you. <laughs> Stick to the ministry, Mike. <laughs> Stick to the ministry. We don't want to duck and dodge those things flying at us. Uh, you know, you have to ask, what are you legitimately good at? You need some honest feedback. You've got to ask, how am, I, how am I geared? Some people are geared more mathematically, uh, hard sciences. Some are geared more towards the humanities. Some, oh, I can't stand the idea of working behind a desk. I've got to be busy. I've got to be active. I've got to have my hands working. My, I think of my father. My father, he would die behind a desk. He would die doing what I do. He'd stuck, it would be prison for him, stuck in a room with a bunch of books. For me, that's heaven. I love it. I close the doors and ah, oh, and they begin. That's when they begin talking to me. So you guys don't know. They're my friends, all of them. Which, by the way, if you've borrowed some of my books, after a while they start crying at night for me. So you need to bring them back after a while. So you have to ask, what are you good at? What are you legitimately good at? And this is. Uh, this is part of what you know, going to college is, is helpful for. You can see, and, and being in school, really, it's, we should go back earlier than that. You know, in Europe, they still use the old method where you choose the kind of college you're going to go to. Actually, you choose the kind of high school you're going to go to. You're going to go to a vocational high school, or you're going to go to a classical high school. And then if you go to a classical high school, you choose between five different kinds of schools. Your education starts, your, your formal education for your vocation begins at about age 13. And that's the way it always was for the educated. Otherwise, you were a farmer. Uh, we, we, we're different in America. We've sort of extended 
being young, you know, into your 30s. And uh, we need to ask legitimately, what are we good at? Parents, you need to be honest with your kids. There are some things you are good at, and there are some things you are not good at. That's why it's good for play team sports. That's why baseball's good. Because it doesn't matter how many parents say, oh, good job, good job. When he strikes out, he knows he failed. And he walks back to the dugout knowing he failed. And we say, oh, that's so mean, harsh. You're going to ruin his whole self-esteem. No, he knows the boundaries of his finitude. He knows what he's good at and what he's not good at. And baseball's great because there's kids who say, I can't pitch. Yeah, we know. And there's some kids who can play catcher and some who can't. And so I'm just giving one example. We need, it, we need things like that, and we need our kids to be in things like that. Football's another one. I want to be a lineman, coach. You're 120 pounds. You're not going to be a lineman. No, you couldn't. You'd be broken into smithereens if you were. Yeah. You'd, be, you'd be like a rag doll going like this, flying around. There's Eddie Haskell. There he goes. So... So what am I good at? And then the second question is, what do I enjoy? And the key is to link these two up. If you've got this, I really enjoy painting. But for some reason, nobody will show it in a gallery. But my parents tell me I'm great. There's a name for that. It's not called vocation. Vocation is your calling. That's called an avocation, which is a fancy word for hobby. It's a hobby. You enjoy it. You might over time get good at it, but it's not your calling. It's not your calling. And then if you got this going on, but you say, well, yeah, but I don't always have this. Well, you got to remember, you live in a fallen world. There are thorns. It's not that you're every single day going to be on 10 with your joy because of what you get to do. Uh, I will admit that most days I'm pretty high up there. I love what I do. And that's when life is good, when you got those two linked together. But there are days where you're like, oh, I'd really like to be just a history professor. Or oh, I'd really like to just read these books and write about them and not have to do this over here. Because, that's because we live in a fallen world. And so there's going to be some of this that doesn't always, it's not always amplified. You've got to remember that. In other words, what can you live with doing? that will be a benefit to other people, that will bring God glory, out in the common world. And then the world sees you working, and they know you are striving for excellence, and you're a good employee, and then we are salt and light in the world. And people say, we, we, we do well, not so that they'll say, boy, isn't he fantastic. Oh, isn't she the best? That's not what we work for. We work so they'll say, isn't God good? They'll look at your work and say, isn't God good? That's what he does. 
with one of his children. That's what he does with a Christian. These are the basics, guys, of vocation. Any, any uh, concluding questions or thoughts? Yes, Michael. Real loud so I can hear. Sure. But you know, what? one way to look at that is, uh, I mean, because look, at the end of the day, we do like to be recognized for what we did. We do. Not, not just out of vanity. I like it when people say, Mike, I appreciated that sermon. You know, thank you, thank you for that sermon. You were, I could tell you worked hard on it. Thank you. It, 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 there's a sense of affirmation that we all, we all enjoy. What the, the question is, what do we do with that? Do we take that compliment and that affirmation and do we say, yeah, I'm great? Or do we say, thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. And even at that moment, we have opportunity sometimes. You know, This is why, this is why Johanna, Johann Sebastian Bach, one of the greatest composers of music of all time, would sign every composition. He's incredible masterpieces. At the end, he would sign each contra, uh, uh, composition, Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. And that's what has to be in our lives as we think about our vocation. To God alone be the glory. Thank you, Lord. What do I have that I didn't receive? Thank you for giving me the ability to do this. And help me, Lord, to do it well for your sake, for your glory, and for the benefit of other people. And so if people compliment you, you know, we can say thanks be to God. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, because another calling you have is, uh, is to be uh, a provider. And so, yeah, I'm good at, you know, I'm, I'm good at blogging and uh, enjoy it, but I'm not making any money doing it. Um, that's, a, that's a very good question. It, ha- it has to be something that will, in fact, uh, part of your calling is to, as a, as a father or as a mother, is to provide for your family. And so it has to be something that is legitimate. But that too, we have to look at, we have to look at uh, what are my expectations? Does it, I have a good job, it's a blessing to other people, but it's not going to get me the 3,000 square foot house, you know, in La Jolla. Well, that's not the goal. Yeah, you got something that pays the bills, but I got to live in Lakeside. Well, yeah, and Lakeside needs good neighbors. So we, got to, we also have to be realistic in that way. That's a good question. All right, it's 12.15. Let's stop there. I'll stick around for some questions if you want, and uh, that way the kids can be released. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the doctrine of vocation. Help us, O oh Lord, to live out our callings, all of them, to your glory. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.